Canucks Central Tuesday. It's Dan Richo and Satyar Shah here in the Kintech studio. Canucks Central is for Enzyme Pacific Vancouver's premier Chrysler, Dodge, Ram, and Jeep Superstore on 2nd Avenue between Camby and Main or at EnzymePacificChrysler.ca. Coming up, we'll have uh, Irfan Gaffar and Seth Rohrbaugh to uh, discuss many things around the Canucks and the visiting Pittsburgh Penguins tonight. Uh, welcome back, Sat. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, we dragged you a little bit yesterday. I, I heard. You, uh... I heard. As I was driving around pondering my future at Sportsnet 650, <laughs> I was listening to two guys speculate about my future on Sportsnet 650. How infuriating must that be? <laughs> when very... everybody is just like giving their opinions on what you should do and how you should live your life. It, it was very annoying. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want this stuff to get out. My conversations with Cam Bear should remain private. Yes. And I don't know what I want for the future. I'll negotiate my own terms. Yeah. Listen, short term, long term, I don't know. Yeah. I just don't know. <laughs> you know what? Uh, that leads us into the new segment here on Canuck Central. It's the Open. Welcome to the Open. Oh, that's your home. Are you too good for your home? Answer me. Yes, the Open here on Canuck Central. It's uh, where we bring you the latest and greatest on your Vancouver Canucks. And as it stands right now, uh, Sat, we are continuing to, um, well, see the fallout of a lack of real news around Elias Pettersson. Ah, yes. And uh, I shouldn't say that uh, somewhat sarcastically because I've given my own opinion on it and how that has developed over the last little while and it's fairly simple one if you don't have an answer or you can't even get Elias Pettersson to the table you know he's sort of hinting a little bit or it's at least increasing your wonder of how much this player wants to be here long term that's really all it is especially with the context of history in the National Hockey League where Players, especially restricted free agents, have tended to sign the contract, especially when the money is there. If this is a negotiation and Pedersen is playing for more money, then maybe I could see that, but it doesn't seem like that's really part of the story. This is just Pedersen still trying to figure out ultimately what he wants long term. And because there's been a lack of news around it, it's led to a lot of speculation. It has, right? And uh, we are not going to spend too much time on this, for those listening. Uh, We have trades talk to get to, which I think is more interesting. We'll get to that shortly. But I I do... That's spicy, actually. Trade talk. talk. I mean, hey, trade deadline's like... 10 days away. Two weeks? What, 10 days away? Two weeks? Pretty much. Next Friday. Under under two weeks away, right? It's next Friday. 100%. So, with all this stuff happening, and I will say, part of me was kind of happy... That, that I was busy doing other things yesterday. Part of me, right? Like, hey, yes. I'm always happy being here discussing no matter what. That you were out pondering your own future. Yes, yes. exactly. I was like, oh, I don't have to ponder somebody else's future <laughs> on, on radio for once. But it, it was, it was it's one of those things where, so I'm like, okay, you know, I, I guess I got to call some people and, and see what's going on. And overall, what my my takeaway from my conversations were was that there isn't the level of angst in the organization that there seems to be on social media about the situation. Okay. Now that doesn't mean that. Like, I, listen, I'm not. Listen, I'm not trying to do the. Hey, there's nothing to see here thing. That's yes. not what I'm trying to do, and I'm not disputing anybody's reporting because all I'm saying is, 
of course they want to know what Pedersen wants to do. Of yes. course they want to know, right? Was there perhaps a hope that at some point this season he would talk despite saying he wants to wait to the offseason? I think that's fair. I think that's even something Rutherford essentially and Alvina hinted at. There was a hope that perhaps he would come and talk to us, right? But I don't think there is this like crisis of, oh, this guy doesn't want to be here. Yeah. Like I don't I don't think that's what's going on internally. And I think main the main frustration, I think, is the fact that it's such a big storyline publicly. Not so much that they're frustrated with Pedersen. Of course, like you know, I think they're Almost frustrated like with the situation. A, hey, we're first place in the league. Why is this a storyline? To some degree, right? Okay. Uh, and like and I think they understand like when stuff gets out, they're gonna talk about it. Like I don't think there's this like, oh, like they, they hate the local media for talking about this. Because the local media hasn't been making this a story. No. We've reacted to what's been said nationally. nationally. So like I don't I don't think there's this like you know big angst going on right, but at the end of the day I think what Pedersen's deciding is does he want to be here and what type of contract does he want to sign in Vancouver because I don't think it's going to be if he signs it'll be a long term deal like I don't I don't even think the the organization expects it to be a long term deal if he signs yeah it's uh, again Pedersen holds all the cards we've said this for a long time now here on the show. He is gaining leverage with each passing moment as it stands, even if he's not playing all that well, um, which lately I don't think he's been playing his his best hockey. But it leaves the door open for a lot of, hey, what's going on here? And I don't like I don't think it should be unexpected that it has become as big a story as it has, because. What do we always say? Top 10 centermen do not become available in trade. So even the thought that one might be available gets literally everybody in the league excited. Yeah. It would get every general manager in the league excited. Think of how many teams do not have a true number one center. Think of how many teams that are contenders that would love to add a number one center to their fold. When a number one center, when a top guy becomes available, it gets everybody excited. And even the opportunity or the potential of that player becoming available will get everybody excited. I said this yesterday. Jack Eichel is the most recent example of a top 10 center getting traded. He had a broken neck. Yeah. And there was people everywhere, every team doing their due diligence of whether or not this was the right move for them to make. Ultimately... Jack Eichel, even with a broken neck, was able to call his shot and be like, I want to go to Vegas. Yeah. So, and, and it worked out, and Vegas healed to those demands. But it just, it happens so rarely that I don't think you can not expect people to, especially outside of this market, to discuss whether or not this player is long for the market he's currently in. It's going to get talked about, there's no doubt about it. He does have one more year left on his deal, and that's why the Canucks, like Rutherford himself said to us a mm-hmm. few weeks back, they're not going to make a trade. They're not trading at the, at the deadline. They're not trading Pedersen at the deadline. Offseason, we'll see what happens in the offseason. It'll be a conversation for the offseason. The reason I don't want to talk about this too much, Dan, is we've had this exact conversation how many times yeah. leading up to this week? Because there were other things that came out, and what did we say? I mean, Rutherford himself said we wouldn't trade him, so what we discussed, I'm sure people around the league have called Vancouver. I'm sure 
they're talking to teams and they're saying, we don't want to trade Pedersen, but until he decides what he wants to do, you have to do your due diligence. As an organization, you have to know what the cost is to keep him. And if you can't keep him, what can you get in return? And what should you do if you can't keep him? And if you're not doing your homework, if you're not doing your work, yeah. what are you doing being employed as a general manager or president? You have to do your work. You have to listen at the very least and understand what the market is telling you until you find out what the future holds for this player. But that's something that would have to happen in the offseason. But that's not a new development. No. it's uh, It's been ongoing uh, for the Vancouver Canucks. And hey, Rutherford's answered these questions about other types of things. Like even when you have, uh, let's say, a coach that you love, you're still keeping a list in your back pocket of potential candidates for yeah. the next time you're maybe looking for a head coach. Precisely. Or whatever that might be. So, you know, good front offices would do this and not just have to be all surprised in the summer and be like, oh, well, now we have to trade this player. Uh, uh, all right, I guess let's uh, talk to the Florida Panthers. Uh, y- you want to be able to have a, an early understanding of, of what might be out there in a big, massive blockbuster like that. Should that even happen? All right. So that was a little bit of a trade discussion. But maybe the more juicier trade discussion is what could happen from now until next Friday, Sat, when the NHL trade deadline happens and what the Canucks could still be working on. Uh, We heard from Elliot Friedman on 32 Thoughts yesterday that they'd only be willing to entertain another package like the one they gave up for Lindholm if it were for a player that is either signed longer term or they believe they can sign to a longer term deal. So immediately uh, your ears perk up at that and say, well, that essentially says the Canucks haven't ruled out the idea of adding another significant piece to this roster. No, and 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 I think he's right, but also that's something that I, I think we were under the assumption of, anyways, and it's something that you know we talked about on this show too. That if they're trading, let's say another first round pick in the future, or let's say they're trading like Mack or Willander or something, it's for somebody who's going to be here a long time. Yeah. They're not trading those guys for rentals. Mm-hmm. What players have they traded for rentals so far? Well, they traded Bustevich, right? That's one yeah. guy. Rutherford himself told us they may be looking at players that have turned pro, but not necessarily in the National Hockey League. So I'm not saying Hoaglander, right? I'm saying guys in Abbotsford, mm-hmm. they're pro. We know who plays in Abbotsford. Vasily yes. Putkolzin, Atu Ratu. I mean, go through the names of, of people. Now, those guys are probably not getting you Jake Gensel. No. Could a guy like that get you a Chris Tanev? Potentially. Depends what else is on the table. I know Pierre Lebrun uh, reported today that uh, the Dallas Stars seem to be the front runner for Tanev yeah. right now, but Calgary's still holding out to get a first round pick or probably a prospect that would be equivalent to a first round pick. So a pick and a prospect from the Canucks, would they do that for a rental type? Maybe. Even Rutherford himself said we may have to consider those things. Now, they did something for Lindholm already. Maybe that's all they're going to do, right? But I could see them doing something like that for a defenseman. I could mm-hmm. see that. Maybe a rental type. But if you trade for Tanev, you probably feel like you can sign him too. Yeah. Or you hope that you can sign him. Uh, I would think you'd, you'd want to keep Tanev around, especially with the amount of defensemen that you, or lack of defensemen yeah. that you have signed for next season. So. Exactly. So I think that's what you have to look at if you're trading for a Tanev type. If you're trading for somebody bigger, then I think you have to look at the higher end prospects. But I don't think they're moving those guys for somebody who's not going to be here more than a year. Yeah. The biggest players on the market, uh, Jake Gensel, um, Pittsburgh's in town today. Gensel obviously not playing, still out 
injured, but you know that would be a big package, even maybe a bigger package than what they gave up, or about the same than what they gave up for Elias Lindholm, and then signing Gensel to a longer-term deal. We're talking eight plus, maybe nine million dollars. He's yeah. one of the best snipers in the league. Now, is it going to be Gensel? We'll see. Right. Could it be somebody we haven't talked about? And I think that's also something to keep in mind. I do think they're very aggressive, as we already know. And I think they are going to make additions. Like, I think we already assume they will. Even at the low end. If, if it's not another high end, they're going to make some level of addition to the lower end of the roster. You heard names like Duhame, yeah, stuff like that. And I thought we, we I'm pretty sure we even brought him up. Because if you go through the list of UFAs and yes. guys are rentals, like it's not the biggest, sexiest list. Like you, it's not very long before you get to a guy like Duhame. And he fits in terms of physicality. But does he fit in terms of playing up your lineup? That's where Phil Kessel comes in as a fallback option, especially if you're going to be running your three centers down the middle. Yeah. You need more wings, especially another scoring wing. And and Kessel is the break glass in case of emergency, and he may still be added for depth, right? I think they would like to add somebody who can score. That's a, a more certainty than a Phil Kessel type. And Duhame would be a bottom six depth guy. I don't think he would be a guy you're playing up your lineup necessarily. To, well, to give he's you got, pop. what, two goals, four goals on the season? Exactly. So Gensel makes sense. Could they pull that off? We'll see. Does New Jersey eventually make Toffoli expendable? I know Bick has been talking about that forever, right? Like, yeah. you know, watching the Devils fall apart and hoping that they make Toffoli available. Like, I think that's the type of player they'd go after. Hoaglander, Pedersen, Toffoli as a uh, line might work. Looks pretty good. You know, you get Joshua back. You have Joshua with Lindholm and Garland. And you keep JT Miller and Besser together. The thing about that, though, is we're sitting here and talking about trade for Gensel, Toffoli, Tanev. Yes. What, what, what cap space? <laughs> well, you always got to be the voice of reason, no, Sat. No, no. And, and I'm not even trying to be the voice of reason. You'll like this. You have to make a few moves if you're trying to... You have to, you have to break a few eggs here. Yeah. Somebody would have to go out in order for something to come in. If you're doing something bigger. Yeah. Right now, if they just end up, you know, doing a depth defenseman and Duhame, they can, they can fit that in. Nobody needs to, needs to go. But if they can actually pull off, I think what they would hope to pull off, which is add a good defenseman, yeah, better than a depth defenseman if you can, and a, and a legitimate top six player. If you're adding both those things, you're going to have to clear space one way or another. What's the uh, what's the line set at for over under on moves ahead of the deadline? on moves? It's one point five. Okay, one point five. One, but one if, and a if half. stuff gets wild, two and I, a half. You got to well, make I mean, more like moves. Even at to, the low end, I can see them doing just adding an extra forward and a defenseman. Yeah, like depth, just strictly depth. It feels like two, two moves could happen. So I would, I would definitely take the over on that. Would um, it be two even the over under? I, I kind of want to say two and a half because if they bring in three? somebody who's so the third trade paid. would be the surprise almost. The yeah. third trade or you have to clear space and make two separate in one, trades. Yeah, bring someone in and then yeah, like a surprise move or yeah. whatever. Yeah, I just say one and a half because ultimately the other thing uh, I, I kind of heard was. Because the Canucks now all of a sudden made the Lindholm trade, yeah, and they went from like, "Hey, we're knocking on the door to contenders." It's 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 not as easy making trades. Like it's it's teams are probably asking a bit more all of a sudden. Yeah, like they they sense Vancouver's aggressive and going for it, and it's kind of like when you're desperate. It's almost the same thing the other way. There's like teams know it's like, all right, you guys really wanted this year, right? How yeah. badly do you want it? So I think they also might get priced out because teams may hold them to a higher ask. Well, they're so locked in right now. Yeah. Look at the Pacific Division. 
And with the way I know Vegas, uh, sorry, Edmonton won last night. Vegas has really been sputtering. They are sort of a bottom third team in the league since since the start of 2024. Edmonton is we've talked about it. They've got a very heavy schedule. So even all of their games in hand, it feels foolish to just count them all as wins. They have so many back-to-backs through now till the end of the season. And after the weekend with the Canucks beating Boston and Edmonton kind of stumbling through along with Vegas, I mean, it's going to take a monumental sort of swing for top spot in the Pacific Division to change. Mm -hmm. Essentially, the Canucks are locked into top spot. They more or less are. So Uh, why wouldn't you be aggressive? Yeah, you have to be. Um, But it's it's one of those things where you still aren't going to pay over premium prices. Right. You know, you, you still have to, at the end of the day, you also have to maintain your leverage and your reputation to some degree. You, you can't always be the mark that gives in, you know, <laughs> and, and Rutherford himself has said like, hey, we're, we're willing to pay a little extra sometimes. We're willing to, to do things to make deals happen. We're, we're, we are willing to take risks, but there's also some level of risk management. And when you've already traded a first round pick and a good prospect, yeah, you have to be careful how much more you give up. Unless what you're getting is so incredibly good and overwhelming that it doesn't matter. Are you uh, willing to increase your risk <laughs> if you know or have an inkling that Pedersen may not be here longer than this year? I don't. I don't. That's think a question so. I've been thought yeah. like thinking about a lot the last little while. I know, and and I don't know. I don't know. You have, and I don't know if that affects it too much or not. Right. Because you can't just be. You can't just throw inhibition to the wind. No, I mean, not only that, it's like... Or throw caution to the wind. Yes. The the thing, too, is like, you can't manufacture something that's not there either. Yeah. You know, and, and that's one of the things that I think I'm learning as we go through these, you know, trade deadlines and trade years, year after year. It's like, it's great for us to talk about these possibilities, but like, who's actually available? Right. You know, and, and what is what can you actually accomplish? And I think sometimes it's easy for us to think you can accomplish things when it's not that straightforward, right? And I do think you the can't market, acquire a massive salary at this point in the season unless you have flexibility. Right. And also like, you know, the player has to be available that you're looking for. Yeah. You know what I mean? And 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 I think sometimes you hear a player is available, but the ask is so high he's not available. He's not really no. available. So we're two first round picks and Will Lander for you like this guy? Are you serious? Uh, so that is the open here on uh, Canuck Central, and it's uh, going to be a daily as uh, we bring you our takes on the biggest Canucks news of the day or what is to come for the Vancouver Canucks. And, uh, well, we take it through with the Canuck Central Roundup and a few of the other newsy things happening with the Vancouver Canucks right now. Nils Hoaglander, as much as we've talked about him this year, sat, set to play in his 200th NHL game, uh, first player from his draft class that is uh, going, well, first player drafted in the second round of the right. 2019 draft class that is getting to this part. And it's kind of amazing considering where he started this season. I know we've discussed this in the past, but Hoaglander has essentially gone from extra in this forward group to fourth liner to this guy's a difference maker in our bottom six, to now I don't see how we're living without him in the top nine, given our lack of wings on the roster. I think Tockett has, has summed it up really well in terms of how he's spoken about Hoaglander at the beginning of the season to where we are now. Yeah. 
remember when he said, I've heard he's a buzzsaw, mm-hmm. but I haven't seen it yet. Like he said that about yes. Hoaglander. Like I haven't seen it. People tell me things about the but about him, but I haven't seen it. Now he's talking about, to your point, an integral part of the lineup in some ways. Like he says, hey, they miss him in the bottom six. They view him as as a play driver in the bottom six and as somebody who can enhance maybe doing a bit more. He's come he's become a staple in in the forward group. He has, yeah. right? But I also think he's still I wouldn't say on thin ice, but it's also clear that he hasn't yet convinced them he can handle every situation. Right. We'll get to the power play stuff in a second, but he's not featuring on the man advantage still, even yep. on the second unit, really, right? The minutes are still relatively flat. Yep. And that Pedersen line hasn't really popped. Yeah, no. no recently, it. it hasn't it, really. It started well, but it's it's faded since. And his his goal scoring has been spectacular this year, but his, his uh, playmaking, even though it's been solid, there hasn't been a lot of, you know, bottom line. Yeah. And that production hasn't been there when the goals haven't been there either. So so I'd, I, I'd be careful with overstating it, but I do think he's come a long way compared to where he was earlier this season. And it's notable that he's playing his 200th game tonight and his standing is much better in the organization, also league-wide, than it was you know a few months ago. Um, you mentioned the power play. Uh, so we've reached the throw bleep at the wall and see what sticks <laughs> stage of the Canucks power play, even though four on three got the win for them on Saturday against Boston. Uh, the five on four units are still very much up in the air. It, it felt like, um, remember when Travis green for a time was like, we want to have two good units. Yes. And, and that's sort of what we were looking at today. Uh, the units first one out today at practice was, Suter at the net front, Garland, Besser, Miller, and Philip Hronick at the top. And then it was Baines at the net front with Myers, Lindholm, Pedersen, and Quinn Hughes. Those were your two power play units. So splitting up the Canucks top players between two units today. Is it a split squad game in the preseason? Uh, it feels like it. <laughs> uh, I mean, and maybe the most notable thing that talk had said was, you know, sometimes people get sick of each other, is it? <laughs> yes. And I think that's great for the, you know, PD versus JT narrative, yeah. isn't it? Now they're separate units. The coach mentioned how, you know, guys need to need a break from each yeah. other again. It's I'm like, sure that doesn't fuel add any fuel to that fire. It's, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I just jest. But it's funny. It's like, one of those moments where the wife is like, Dan, just take a walk. Just take a walk. Yeah, just, just go, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> now I know why Dan goes for so many walks. Now we all know. Just take a walk. Dan's always taking a walk. Uh, but it's funny, though, too, because they scored on the man advantage. Yeah. And with an extra man. In, but it was four on Boston. three. I, hey, it was four on three, but it was also six on five. Those guys were out there together. They scored yeah. They scored in overtime. Mm-hmm. They just figured it out and now you're splitting it up. I'm not saying, saying they figured it out, but I just thought it was, it was, it was interesting timing that they, you, you could have talked yourself into, Hey, we, we yeah. scored a couple goals with the man advantage. Right. Yeah. It wasn't five on four, six on five, and four on three. But hey, maybe that gets us going. It gives us a mojo here. And it's like, no, we're we're, just, <laughs> we're not just changing things up. We're doing something completely, drastically different. Um, it's going to be interesting. We'll get to more into it uh, during the pregame. Uh, Coach does like J.T. Miller, Elias Pettersson, and Elias Lindholm together on separate lines. That might um, hint towards what they want to do at the trade deadline. If you're having all three of those on separate lines, maybe you do need more wings, but it also puts more pressure on JT Pedersen and Lindholm to 
drive when they are out there on their own separate lines. So that's something we'll continue to see. Uh, Around the division, Eichel closer to returning practice today, but in a non-contact jersey for the Vegas Golden Knights. And big one for the LA Kings, Adrian Kempe has left their road trip. He's headed for an MRI. And you might say, well, as a Canucks fan, well, the, oh, other guys, other teams are getting hurt. That's that's good for us, isn't it? And the other part of it is, well, now they both may have cap space yeah. open for more deadline moves sure. to add for a playoff run. Which I answer, which player is available on the market? It's like, <laughs> we saw, all these teams have all this cap space now, right? And it's like four players that are difference makers that are available. If that, if yes. that. There's not many. No, I mean, I know, you know, the Brady Kachuk stuff's come up. I don't, I'm not even sure how real that is or not. But I mean, he's probably not getting traded at the deadline. You so know? one that was interesting today, Jeremy Rutherford, who covers the St. Louis Blues, good reporter. Yeah. We've had him on the show said uh, on a radio hit that there's a 50% chance Jordan Cairo is traded before his no-move clause kicks in this summer. It's been it's been a bit of a rocky season for Jordan Cairo. Yeah, it's and, been tough. And it's clear that uh, there are some issues there. Yeah. And I don't mean personal issues. I mean, like, with him and the organization, yeah. you knew what happened with Barube. So I think that's a super interesting player. Like, on-ice talent is through the roof. Mm-hmm. Very big contract and not going to move in season. Yeah, <laughs> so. probably not. Well, that's the thing. The contract's too big. That's one of those like at the draft really shaking up your yeah. roster kind of move. But a name to at least keep on the radar because he falls into the age range and is signed long term that the Canucks have talked about wanting to add. And they haven't been afraid to take on projects in the no. past. But still a big ticket to take on for any team. Uh, all right. Dan Richo, Satyar Shaw. Coming up, Irfan Gaffar is going to join us, Canucks Insider. He'll give his take on Elias Pettersson and what the Canucks could be doing at the deadline next on Canucks Central. Hitting the most important topics for Vancouver sports fans. The People's Show with Vic Nazar. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.